0: I went down a rabbit hole the other day preparing for this message. I love history and I love to travel. Put them together and add a drop of YouTube and all of a sudden I'm down the hole with Alice. Learning about the ancient city of Ephesus. Archaeologists can date the site from 6000 BCE, the Neolithic age. It was inhabited all the way until it was finally abandoned in the 15th century while it was occupied by the Ottoman Empire. In its heyday, a thriving coastal city of over 200,000, until it, like the harbor on which it was placed, eventually silted up and the population moved on. Over thousands of years of history, it was ruled by Greeks and Romans, Persians and Syrians, located on the far western edge of Asia, modern-day Turkey, And on the far eastern edge of the Mediterranean, it was a location for multiple cultures, religions, languages, and trades. Ephesus was the site of one of the seven wonders of the world, the Temple of Artemis. Its massive theater was home to plays, philosophers, and even gladiators watched by 25,000 people at a time. It has great meaning in scripture as well. It was a place the Apostle Paul lived for three years. It was a place the Apostle John was believed to live until he was imprisoned on the island of Patmos. While in prison, John wrote to the church at Ephesus in his revelations. Tradition has it that Mary, the mother of Jesus, lived in Ephesus with John and eventually died there. It is a place named in a letter from the Apostle Paul, included in the New Testament, under the name Ephesians. There is controversy among biblical scholars about whether that letter was actually written by Paul or others who studied under his name. The writing is unique compared to his other letters. But there is agreement that this letter is of major importance. It is a letter of doxology, praise and thanksgiving to God. It's a letter of encouragement and hope. It is a letter of theological reflection. And it's important in reminding those first and second century Christians of Christ followers, of God's grace, a grace so amazing, so divine, so holy that it was and is always working in this world. A grace given by God to unite all of humanity, under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Some of the words in this letter are confusing and seem out of touch with today. So we may want to avoid them, we'll struggle with them. Some of the sentences are long and rambling at times, we may need to linger over them. But all of the words bring us an opportunity to understand the context of the world then, and the way in which they can guide us today. All of these words will need the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the truth within them so that we might better understand who we are and to whom we belong. Last week, I visited the newest member of our church family in her home, Amelia. Amelia was two weeks old at the time and had already made an appearance at the downtown church. Like all new babies, she's full of potential, but so much is yet unknown about her life. She has wispy blonde hair and precious eyes nestled in her lovely face. And ever since I heard this quote, with apologies to her mom and dad, I've noticed Winston Churchill's words may be true. All babies look like him, but then he says he also looks like all babies. When I held her, I could feel myself beginning to sway, talking to her in a voice that seemed an octave higher than my normal. When I caught her eye, my face broke into a smile. I told myself she was just as excited to see me as I was to see her. She's unable to promise anything, do anything, except what all babies do. Sleep, cry, eat, poop, pee, wiggle a bit, and occasionally look into the eyes of those who are enthralled by her very existence, trying to focus. But it doesn't matter that she can't do much. It's enough that she just is. Amelia has entered this world already loved, already belonging, belonging to her mom and dad, belonging to a family and a network of friends, belonging to our church family, belonging above all to God. As I stood with her mom and a friend that day, and anointed Amelia's precious, slightly bald head with oil, and made the sign of the cross on her forehead. My fervent prayer is that she will grow to know what is already true. She belongs to God. I pray she will come to understand for herself how deep and wide is the love of God for her, that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, as it unfolded and is unfolding, is for her, to redeem her, to include her. She belongs. No matter your own experiences of childhood, I ask that you try and picture that moment. And imagine, this is the grace God is extending to you. You belong. You are Amelia. And it's not me holding you. It's God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Unlike any earthly parent, It is the creator of the universe gazing into your eyes. It's not my finger anointing your forehead. It's Jesus himself pouring out his abundant love over you. It's not my words being spoken as a prayer. It's the Holy Spirit whispering into your ear. You are mine. You are beloved. You belong. This is grace. Provenient grace. The grace of God that goes before us, it calls to us before we can understand and continues to call until we do. A grace that loves us before we are able to love and return. It is grace that will lead us to surrender our lives to Jesus. It is grace that will give us the Holy Spirit to lead us forward through this life and grace that will bring us home. Listen to these words from Ephesians chapter 1 a letter written 2,000 years ago to you today. I'm reading verses 1 through 14 from the Message Version. I, Paul, am under God's plan as an apostle, a special agent of Christ Jesus, writing to you, faithful believers, in Ephesus. I greet you with the grace and peace poured into our lives by God our Father and our Master, Jesus Christ. How blessed is God And what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundation, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift given by the hand of his beloved Son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything on deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation found yourselves home free, Signed, sealed and delivered by the Holy Spirit, the down payment from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us. A praising and glorious life. It's in Christ we find out who we are and what we're living for. It is in Christ we're home free. In Christ we belong in him. This is the place we're meant to be. These verses in Ephesians assert that from the beginning, God has been about bringing us in, into a life with meaning, into a life of love, into a glorious life. And by us, I mean all of us. God's grace is calling to everyone. Christ Jesus demonstrated God's purpose clearly. The outstretched arms of Jesus on the cross were open to the crowds who were standing to gawk the family and friends kneeling in grief, the thief hanging next to him, and the Romans who had hammered the nails. Jesus opened the way of salvation to all, and when we step into his embrace in Christ, we can find the belongingness that cannot diminish, cannot be taken away, will not leave us. We are his, and he is ours. Author and speaker Brené Brown writes of how important it is to belong. A deep sense of love and belonging is an irreducible need of all people. We are biologically, cognitively, physically and spiritually wired to love, to be loved and to belong. When those needs are not met, we don't function as we we're meant to. We break, we fall apart, we numb, we ache, we hurt others. We get sick. I believe knowing we belong to Jesus Christ is the way those needs can be met and we can function as we're all meant to, as people who love and are loved. And I'm passionate about those who follow Jesus throwing wide open our arms so that others might know his love. We can then bend but not break. We may fall apart, but the Holy Spirit living in us and through others can remind us of where the pieces go and help us get back together. We may become numb for a time, but the love of God will not be stilled. It seeps into the cracks and crevices of our spirits. We ache and hurt as all humans do, but we also heal and strengthen and courageously put one foot in front of the other. And we can learn, as we desperately must for the sake of this world, to stop hurting others. There have been times when the need to belong can be overwhelming and lead to great disappointment. You know, when the coach posts who made the team and your name isn't on it. Or even when your child's name isn't on it. When a director sends out the cast calls and you didn't make it again. When there are three people, regardless of the age, it can become two against one. When a father is absent and a gang offers allegiances and support. When the pain of the moment seems too hard and someone has something to dull the feelings. When families split, jobs are lost, and we lose our moorings. We look for where we can belong. We seek someone to take us in. Let me say again, what I truly believe. I'm passionate about those who follow Jesus throwing wide our arms so that others might know his love. This is my challenge to you and to myself, which may sound strange because if I'm passionate about it, why is it a challenge? Because it isn't easy to open our arms that wide. There are people, if we're honest, we're having trouble embracing. It might feel better to open our arms just a little bit, just a little, maybe a smidge so that only those we want can come in. Well, you know, like the precious baby, Amelia, the kind elderly person, the teen who wears their clothes all tucked in and the person who votes and speaks and believes like I do on every subject. But what would happen? we opened our arms a little wider today than we did yesterday? What if we extended the grace we've received a little further today than we did yesterday? What if we loved a little less judgmentally today than we did yesterday? And what if we reminded ourselves and one another that we are all children of the Most High God? I want you to invite you to open your imagination and your Bible to Ephesians as we journey down this rabbit hole. Let's pray. Almighty, good and gracious God, from the time you laid the foundations of the earth until this very day, you've extended grace to humanity. You've made us all the focus of your love. The arms of Jesus reached out and brought us in. Oh Lord, Cause us by the power of your Holy Spirit to begin to embrace all your children. In Jesus' name, amen.